0: hey everyone welcome back to sports Artie snippets it is july 14th and we have some exciting things coming up we have regular episode today we have our normal you know type of interview in two weeks as well and then i'm actually recording my very first panel episode um which will come out august 11th and then two weeks after that i think it's august 25th or 26th i forget Will be the one year anniversary of the podcast episode, so we're kind of switching it up a bit. Um, but yeah, super excited for our guest today. But before we dive into the episode, we have some breaking news from our sponsor Momentus. I'm not sure if anyone has heard yet, but they have recently merged with Amp Human, a human performance company, and the creators of PR Lotion, which is just incredible. PR Lotion is the only training tool to effectively deliver game-changing bicarb directly to your muscles to unlock incredible power and endurance gains from every workout. PR Lotion is proven to decrease acidity and improve hydration in the muscles, helping you train harder, recover faster, and minimize cramping. PR Lotion is the trusted training tool of world champions and Olympians, including Tour de France champion Garrett Thomas, EF Education Nippo, professional triathlete and cyclist for Cam Wirth and super bowl champion Namukansu. I am so excited to let you know that you can try PR lotion now with the exclusive discount using the code RDSnippets snippets at checkout for 25% off your order. That's R D S N I P P E T S head to their website at amphuman.com forward slash RD snippets. Thank you so much to momentous for sponsoring this episode and let's dive in and meet our guest.
1: Being assertive doesn't mean being loud. Being assertive to me means finding a way not only to show your value, but to prove it in a way that is going to be advantageous in that environment.
0: Hey everyone, and welcome to Sports RD Snippets. I'm Liz Waluka, a registered dietitian and board-certified specialist in sports dietetics. Every Wednesday, I'll be bringing you a sports dietitian guest that will share advice, insight, and rewards of the profession, snippets of their own career path to becoming a sports RD. Hey everyone, welcome back to Sports Artie Snippets. I'm super excited to have Jennifer Brunelli today on the podcast. Jen will inspire you to take your confidence to the next level. She talks all about her role working with NASCAR as a sports dietitian, and she shares her top tips for being a confident female in a male-dominant industry in athletics. This episode will leave you feeling inspired and empowered to own it. Jennifer Brunelli is the creator and owner of RD Pro, a nutrition consulting business in Charlotte, North Carolina, that opened in 2011. Jennifer graduated from the Darla Moore School of Business at USC in 2004. She is a seven-time All-American swimmer and athletics Hall of Fame athlete at the University of South Carolina. Her roster of clients has included the NFL's Carolina Panthers Team Dietitian for six seasons, NASCAR's Roush Fenway Racing Team Dietitian for five seasons, Hendrick Motorsports in her first season, supporting to build NC State and Carolina 49ers University Athletic Department Sports Nutrition Department, and LEAD, which is a female Olympian-run business that stands to help young female athletes gain leadership skills and confidence in and out of their sport. Jennifer also has a thriving media presence on behalf of food boards, food companies, and supplement companies that support furthering education for athletes and safe training for clients. Most recently, she was appointed to the very first Gatorade Women's Advisory Board alongside some of the most impactful athletes and female presences in sport. Jennifer has two children, Sloan and Nathaniel, who are already active athletes. Jennifer can be reached for business opportunities through social media at SportsRD Pro and the RD Pro or her website, TheRDPro.com. Let's jump in and let's meet Jennifer. Hi, Jen. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi, thanks for having me. I'm excited.
0: I'm excited to have you. Um, can you set the scene for us? Like, what's your day's like? What What do you have going on today? I know you're super busy. So just set the scene for us. Tell us what's, what's going on in your world.
1: Oh, my gosh. You know, part of what I started my whole career around was wanting no day to ever look the same, because I think those of us that work with athletes kind of know maybe our training schedule looks the same, but practice is not like nothing is ever the same. And I got really bored when I tried to do something that was the same every day. So, I mean, I've gone from being with the Panthers on a regular basis to um, now lately going back a little bit to that variety within my day of, you know, this this week I was with Roush Fenway one day, I was with Hendrick Motorsports and we were doing Sweat testing one day. I had one day in office with a bunch of high school and pro athletes. I had one day where I did a ton of telehealth, which I'm really continuing to enjoy that because it allows us kind of some flexibility, right, in working with a variety of people. Um, And today is kind of like a podcast, catch up, do media Um, kind of a day so I really like these opportunities to not just work with clients and athletes but start to branch out a little bit and especially after COVID talk to people um, you know that we don't haven't gotten to see in a while.
0: I know well it's so funny I was trying to think I don't know if you remember this but do you remember I met you at that like dairy council? um... Yes like CPSDA yeah. Indianapolis, the conference. And it was like, was there like 10 of us? It was like, come with the dairy council and we'll talk about milk options for athletes or something. But that's where I met you.
1: Well, and that's, what's so cool, right? I just love that about CPSDA and the conferences. And we kind of alluded on, on our previous conversation together on our own, that it's like, you feel like so many of us have felt on an Island for so long, So the opportunity to reconnect with people, even in these kind of ways, is just so fun because you just don't know when you meet people where it's going to take your relationship and communication and just everybody has gone in such cool directions in our field. It's not, I think, what people initially expected. Um, And being creative has taken us a long way, I think, in our field of sports dietitians.
0: Yeah, it's also cool, like, cause I feel like I only met you once, but like when you meet someone once, like you just never forget, like, it's just kind of cool. And hopefully, I mean, we'll be in person next year and everyone can start networking again in person and make those connections. But It is cool that like that event kind of brought us together. And I don't know if I would have met you like that, you know, any other way. So um, anyways, let's jump in. Can you take us to your career path up until this point where you started and where you are today?
1: Sure. 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 Yeah. So I'll give you a little bit of my, my background. Um, because I think it sets the stage for a lot of, for a lot of what I would share. Um, I was a swimmer my entire life. It was kind of all I knew. You know, my mom swam for Florida, all my aunts and uncles swam. My sister swam at South Carolina, like I did. My brother swam at Chapel Hill. So it was just something we always did. And I remember coming home at 12 and literally mom having gone to Sam's and giant boxes of you know, potato skins and mozzarella sticks and like the French toast sticks that we would like get a giant vat of maple syrup. Right. Like we just grew up knowing that we needed a lot of energy, but not necessarily thinking about it purposefully other than knowing if I didn't get it, I wasn't going to feel great. Um, So setting the stage, I mean, my mom was very conscious, but at the same time, it wasn't something that we were over the top on. Uh, So when I went to college, I was a good athlete, I was lightly recruited, but it got to the point where I was like, I went a lot faster my freshman year and then kind of stabilized my sophomore year. And those of us that work with athletes kind of know, like, you can't just do the same thing all the time, right? It's that saying, you know, repeatedly doing the same thing and expecting a different result. Like, you're crazy. You've got to adapt and you've got to change and there's got to be growth to continue to see progress. Um, so I was, did that like tantrum, right. That we know athletes do. I was like, I'm quitting. Like, I was so furious. Um, but uh, thankfully great parents and great coaches. I was like, okay, well, what else can I do? What can I focus on? Because I cannot possibly try any harder. Like I knew I was that athlete in the water. I'm like, I will lay it out. But at some point I wasn't recovering and knew I had workouts where my stomach was upset. I'm like, what the heck? Like, well, I ate Chick-fil-A before I saw my way to practice. So I started to kind of do that for myself and pay attention to what I was feeling myself with and I ended up going tremendously faster. You know, nothing changed coaches practice, nothing changed, but food. And it was one of those like, Holy cow moments. And like aha moments of like, Whoa, this really created a difference for me. And I went tremendously faster. Um, so I ended up being a seven time all American there. Um, <laughs> Continued to swim postgradually for a little bit, and just like in general, just felt amazing. So I was like, I'm gonna just keep doing this for a little while, and realized as I was swimming postgradually, like, wow, this is a thing. Like this should be a thing. I didn't know there were people out there. So I ended up going back to Arizona State and did my undergrad there for nutrition as well. I had my marketing and management degrees from South Carolina, um, and realized like, oh gosh, it's time for me. To stop swimming. I need to do this with other people. Like this is what this is my jam. So it was just kind of transitioning one passion into another, which was really kind of exciting at the time. Um, so I was so, so lucky to find CPSDA and the wonderful people through it. And in particular Michelle Rockwell, um, who was just such an amazing mentor for me um, and helped me get started at NC State and building out their program a little bit. Um, I was there for about a year where I literally was driving up on like a Monday or Tuesday morning from Charlotte about three hours. They had me staying overnight until Thursday evening. So I would stay in a hotel for three or four nights um, and work on campus and then work the other days from home uh, in order just to do meal planning and just all the, the busy work. So that went on for about a year, helped to build out that program and then stepped back and thought, oh goodness, okay, I don't want to do that forever. That's not the lifestyle I want. I knew I came into this really enjoying the business side of it as well and wanting to create something. Um, and long story short, I just started to work in the Y. I started to just really network with people and it became a lot of individual consultations and team team talks for age groups and things like that. And then out of the blue, about eight months pregnant, I got an email from who at the time was the uh, head strength coach at, with the Panthers, who is now, one of my absolute closest friends, confidants, um, co-workers, even to this day on our on some side projects right now and some side businesses, um, Joe Ken. And he reached out to me through LinkedIn and said, we need somebody. And I thought to myself, holy cow, are you crazy? I never thought this was where my career could potentially go. So I remember going in thinking, I think we'll talk about this later as women in particular, but I remember going in thinking, I cannot just give myself away, right? I knew the value that I could bring to the table, not only as a dietitian, but as somebody who had competed at a very high level and could talk the talk, right. And had already walked the walk to a certain extent. So I went in there and they said, okay, we'd really love to like, give you a call when we have a guy that we need to do weight management or that we need to put some weight on. I was like, yeah sorry that's not going to work for me I said I don't think I'm the person for you and I remember jaws hitting the floor thinking like wait what do you mean no and I was like well why don't you guys you know think through how you think this can be most effective I said I really don't think I can show my value in that way and I'm just not sure that I can be successful for you doing that because we all know talking to a dude or girl for them talking to an athlete once like we can't help you get it done, right? Like we need to motivate and we need to encourage and we need to continue to educate and we need to myth bust and we need to make sure they have access. And there's just so many components to that, especially at that level. Um, So anyways, I walked from the table and got a call like two or three days later, like, okay, well, what do you think we should do then? So I kind of laid out like a three-tiered idea And of course they took the lowest (laughs) because it was one of those things where it's like, we don't know if we want to invest at the time. It was the beginning of you have to have somebody available. (laughs) Um, It was kind of being forced on them through the league and very quickly it grew. I remember walking in and for those football lovers out there, I remember walking in and literally Greg Olson um, and Luke Keekley were standing there waiting for me to walk through the door. And I was like, oh gosh, like I at the time, of course, like knew who they were, but I don't, I wasn't a starstruck person by any means. Um, only because I, I just kind of had known that through sports, like you're as much of a hot mess as the guy at the end of the roster. <laughs> like, so we just gotta figure out how we can help you, you know. But they were so excited, and I remember them coming at me, and I was like, guys. I was like, I know nothing yet. If you have specific questions, like, let's do it, right? Like, tell me what they are. I said, but I got to assess this first. Let me assess how I, tell me what your questions are so that I go in with those lenses on from an assessment standpoint. Um, So we spent a good two or three months where I was like, I'm just walking around, like literally watching. And girl, it was such an embarrassment. I couldn't believe it. We walked in, the first thing I assessed was our meals being pushed in on like four hot trays on a table of like bagged lettuce in a bowl and like micro, like literally like pre-made lasagnas. And I was like, what is happening right now? This is the NFL. Like when I share that with people, I still think back and that was eight years ago. How could that have been good? So anyways, long story short, we developed so much over that time. Um, It went from those kinds of things to like me hammering a wall, like after everybody had left the building to see what was behind this wall, to see if we could fit a kitchen back there. Cause I knew there was a stairwell and like nothing else (laughs) patching it up. (laughs) It went from, no, you can't be in the training room and in the weight room To kind of like getting to the point where I told guys like, they were like, why aren't you in there? I'm like, well, then you need to speak up because right now I'm not given that opportunity in that space. So you speak up like I agree with you. You speak up. You this is this environment is yours. What you want, own it. So it was a lot of noise coming from the guys saying we need this. We want that. Um, It evolved into a lot of blood work analysis. It evolved into. A lot more on field it evolved into a lot more protocols which we know have to exist for us to be consistent and then provide measurables so we can show our value um so it took about four years and then things went full-time which was really really exciting and if i look back though i'm really thankful for the way it progressed you know i had two babies through that first four years and I had the opportunity to start to build out NASCAR, to do a lot with a lot of media and a lot of food boards, which allowed me to really recognize that as much as I loved that environment, if you go into an environment like that, please know, have your ducks in a row and have something behind the scenes. That's one of those things that, thank goodness, I had great mentors around me that helped me to realize that because nothing lasts forever in sports. You're a fool if you think you're gonna stay somewhere forever. I don't care if you are the greatest of all time, it, you know, it, things happen, right? Coaching staffs change, budgets change, goals change, job roles. So it's like, you, you really do need to understand that as much as you may want to be in pro sports, you can look elsewhere, but um, it, it's not always gonna happen, right? Like you want it to happen. Um, So I was with them for six years. It was such an amazing opportunity, amazing time. I still work and actually hang out with a lot of the guys, um, because we just kind of became a family, especially the older ones that had kids. And it just becomes such a, and it's so personal. Food is personal. Performance is personal. Um, If people are not taking it personal, I'm kind of like, why are you still here? You should always try to evolve. Um, So I still have my private practice. We do a lot with individual consultations, a lot of group performance, education. I'm doing a lot of build out um, with friends like Carolyn Joyce, who was an Olympic swimmer way back, um, who we competed against each other. And now we're building out a lot of online female um, modules and education platforms. Um, We're doing the same thing in some other realms for just a variety of athletes and kind of quote-unquote athletes like the weekend warriors and those of us who still want to take care of ourselves and have the opportunity to compete. Um, I'm doing a lot with NASCAR. So anyways, it's just it's all over the place, girl. It's just it's so fun because every day is different. Um, And I just love that about what we can do as sports RD and how much impact we can have across the board.
0: Yeah, that's a good point of, I don't know if it's COVID's help people kind of be more creative and realize like you don't have to just pick one job. And we might talk about this a little later, but what benefits do you feel that you have by almost like dipping your toes in different areas? Like how has that kind of helped you as a professional?
1: Yeah. So I mentioned like my background was initially business. I kind of knew I didn't want to sit behind a desk for five or six days a week. That wasn't going to be my jam. That wasn't my personality. Um, but in order to really grasp not only the dietetics and the nutrition component, but the ability to initially have worked with a variety of different contracts, for example, gave me the, the opportunity to hone my skills as a dietitian and as my own um, advocate of how to communicate with different people in terms of getting across what it is that I thought my value was um, and how I could help them. So I think from a communication standpoint, that was huge. Um I think the, oh my gosh, your question just lost my brain, left my brain. I
0: guess this do you what feel like, I guess do you feel like directed. no, do you feel like all these different things like What's the right word? Not like soothe your soul, but I feel like sometimes people can't get everything from one opportunity, or like you said, things change. And I think when people don't put all their eggs in one basket and explore other areas, they get those other things like within their soul, like smoothed out or like satisfied. Yeah, like fulfilled. fulfilled. Yes, not yes, exactly. And so, is that how you
1: feel? Yes, and you brought up—that's such a great question because it brought some kind of challenges that I think have progressed to making me more than a better dietitian, a better human being. <laughs> um, I was initially like, "I got this," right? Like I told you, I'm like, I won't accept something that I think is less than what I'm value, what my value is, and is less than what I think that I can show and continue to show what value I bring to the table in that team environment. Um, So there were so many times that I can't even tell you in those first couple of years that I thought to myself, this is not worth it. These people are crazy. Like when it's coaches that maybe are very old school in the football world, right. That are like, you can't do anything to help us. I want one of the things I wish I would have learned a lot earlier in that environment was, not, you know, as much as I knew there was value in something I was trying to push forward, if they didn't want to accept it, then I needed to look for something else. I wish in the first two years, I would have known earlier, okay, fine and move on and taken it less personally and really gotten to that point of like, okay, fine. Well, I got 15 things I can offer you. You don't think that one has value? Well, let me do this one. And I'm going to come back to that one after I prove to you how right on the money I am with how to be supporting the athletes and not even the athletes potentially in our world, the budget. (laughs) Um, for example, one of the first things I mentioned was that build out of our kitchen. One of the first things that I did was track how much was getting thrown away. And then started to track how many of our injury guys would go home and tell me, I don't know what to eat, or I and like basically get some of those anecdotal stories and tie them um, to injury, to performance, and things like that. So, not only did I have measurables as, yeah. as far as numbers um, with uh, food waste and things like that, but I also had those athletes that are like, you're right, why am I not getting this? Or, and those were also conversations that stemmed when I was on other teams, I would, I, we did X, Y, and Z, right? And in certain worlds like that, it's keeping up with the Jones. <laughs> so if you can show that, a lot of times that helps too. So I do, I think that there are a lot of um, benefits to spreading yourself out in terms of those experiences. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Like when you look back at like your younger already self, you come in with like this perfect plan on your end of like, this is like what we're going to do. And you don't think of like plan B and C, but like likely that coach is going to probably want BCDEF, you know, like yeah. <laughs> instead of that. And you're so right. I mean, I totally took things so personally. It's so weird, but you just, you don't know it. You don't have experience to know that it's never about you anyways, but you just, you feel like it is when you're younger. So it's a good point. Yeah.
1: Um, well, you own it, right? You own it. And that's a good thing. Like we say that to to young RDs, like it's, it's good to own it. It means you take it seriously. It means that it matters to you, right? Like somebody sitting behind a computer, you know, they go home at the end of the day and completely shut off. Like we don't shut off from our athletes a lot
0: yeah and i like how you said too like how you said you didn't take that job the first time being like well that's not i'm not gonna do like one meeting with the guy like one yeah. and i think I, I think that kind of surprised me because i think sometimes we just think oh of course you take anything you know but to think that you actually put your foot down and said no they saw value in that decision to be like hey actually could we you know what are the other options and so that's really cool too because I think most people would have just said, yeah, I'll do anything, you know, I'll, I'll do sure. one talk. And But you knew it didn't have value, but um, it's just pretty cool. Um, can you talk about your work with NASCAR as a sports dietitian? Because that just seems like another world that I don't Are there a lot of dietitians working in that space or just kind of tell us what we don't know about NASCAR sports nutrition?
1: Well, and it's so funny because like, when you ask that question, like, are there others? I'm like, I know there are, are, Maybe two. Um, but then I kind of feel like I hear, right? We go back to being on an island and then I'll kind of, <laughs> of randomly hear it. Somebody's so has been like, sweet. I'm like, why are we not talking about this and like communicating? Um, so I don't think there are very many. Um I especially from, from a sports dietitian side, right? Like they've had someone come in as an RD through their medical insurance and say something. Um, you know give them a talk right but when we go as an in as as experienced sports rds and say wait a minute you are at a track 34 35 weekends out of a year you leave either friday or saturday and get back either sunday night or monday at 4 a.m depending on how far you're traveling and then previously a lot of them had what's called a shop job which means they come back in and Maybe they can, they get home at 1 AM on Monday and they're in doing their job working on the cars and things like that at noon. (laughs) And then they have to go to practice and the weight room. So, you know, that's how it started with the team that I was on, you know, five or six years ago was these poor guys were being asked to strength train, to work around the car for a 30 minute, 30 to 90 minutes a day, and then go to work for eight hours. And mind you, a lot of them are a lot older. They grew up around the track, they're married, they have kids. I'm like, when do you guys even function? Like, when do you even see your family? I was, I was so beside myself, right? So that was one of the things that's been really, really interesting. Um, that has evolved. It's a lot of them now do not have what they call shop jobs. They pit the car and they pit the car only. So their job is to strength train, there's, you know, I, I actually was lucky enough to bring in um, Dr. Desiree Festa with me from the mental health side about two years, two years into my contract, because I was like, guys, I love and appreciate that you think I'm a psychologist, but I am not. (laughs) Um, And right, I think a lot of us as dietitians feel like that, like we might as well be psychologists, because there's so much emotional and mental Uh conversation around food. Um, But Dr. Festa and I, who is now with the Buffalo Bills, Um, kind of teamed up in our private practices as well as with NASCAR because we just saw such value in that Um, and because their schedules were just so crazy it was like this makes sense like we need these guys to have an outlet for what's being asked of them which is tremendous Um, I definitely went in there thinking I'm going to talk about hydration and the car does all the work (laughs) definitely I say that to them all the time I I like epically failed at understanding the environment I was walking into Uh, But that that hasn't changed. And a lot of them are pit crew only. So they'll come in early at seven o'clock and they'll do their workout and their strength, their strength training and get around the car and pit for 30 to 90 minutes, depending on what's going on. They're doing a lot more like purposeful heat training now. Um, But you have two very different groups in that world. You have the athletes that have grown up around their track, their dad raced or pitted and you know, they have high school degrees and and that's how they came in. Um, and then you have the retired athlete that, you know, played at a D1 for four years and did not want to go into the working world and stop being an athlete yet. And they had some, they had a table at a career fair in college and started pitting. So um, you have a huge spectrum in terms of education, in terms of interest um it's just you know it's just really really fascinating um
0: wait can you explain yeah, what, the, pitting, what pitting is or pick
1: sure sorry <laughs> <The> <laughs> so,
0: driver or is it, who are you feeling the pit crew or the driver or-
1: <laughs> okay so sorry yeah let me backtrack so I've worked with pit crew and drivers they are two very different beasts it is basically in my mind I think of them as two different sports, right? Because okay. Pit Crew has far less resources, they are far more regimented. Um, they are so pit crew members are like tire changers, right? So they're hitting lug nuts. Like they have this gun. I did it when I went in, just like with football, I was like, well, I need to understand what this feels like. So give me some goggles and give me this gun and I'm gonna try it. Um, I even drove a car one time because I was like, I need to know what this feels like. I tried, like, there's a guy around the car called a jackman and he has this thing, he slides under the car and he pumps this one, and he's the biggest guy. He pumps this thing, this like stick one time and it lifts the entire side of the car up. So here I am like hanging off the end of this. I'm like, I could do this. And I literally went to do it. I'm hanging off the end. (laughs) I couldn't even move the car. So you have your more kind of, what do I have a reference them? You have your more um, guys that really need to be more focused and re- really need to be able to have repetition consistently because when the car stops, the idea is that hopefully the lug nuts are in exactly the same place that they always would be. They come flying out while the car is coming in at 60 miles an hour and stops and they have to take this gun and hit the lug nuts so that the lug nuts come off so that somebody can grab the tire, who is a tire changer, and they pull the tire off and then put the new tire on and then hit the lug nuts again. (laughs) Um, Meanwhile, you've got the jack man who lifted the car so that they can do this and then has to drop it while they all run around the other side and do the same thing. (laughs) So there's a lot that goes into it for these guys. So there's guys that it's more about power if they're lifting up a car. There's guys that it's more about focus and repetition um, that are trying to hit lug nuts and really be consistent. And then you have drivers who are literally hydration, 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 right? Um, That's obviously their huge one. They are wearing these, they're all pit crew and drivers wearing these fire suits, um, that basically are covering them and it's 105 degrees and 70% humidity on that track. Um, so it's often 120 in the car as they're you know, going for four hours. So it's, it's, very, it's very interesting. It's so, so different. The drivers are very different people than the pit crew members are. So the way you address them is often very different. They're not around anywhere near as much. Um, so it's it, two different, two, two very different beasts on the crew side and the driver side.
0: That's amazing. I mean, I was kind of naive to think you just fuel the drivers. I'm sure everyone listening is like, oh my goodness, that is, so <laughs> cool. I mean, wow. I can't even imagine the need for dietitians. I, I would never have thought of the pit crew. Like I just, but now anytime I probably watch NASCAR, I'm going to be thinking, <laughs> what are they eating and how they watch the- that's a lot of work.
1: Yeah, watch those guys now. They're such amazing individuals because they deal with so much um, variability because they don't know when the car is coming in. Um, so there's just, it's a really interesting world to fuel in because we don't know when they're going to compete next. Um, they could pit the car twice and then there's an accident, they could pit the car five times. Um, they could have a three-hour rain delay and be hanging out in the hauler until the it picks back up again. Like they just don't know. Um, so it's it's so interesting. And I will leave you with this one story. You know, I I always tell the teams that I work with, especially in sports that are either new to our field or that are just new to me, I need to experience it, right? Like I need to understand. So I asked one time i was like i need to go on a travel trip with you guys i really need to understand what they're experiencing so at three o'clock in the morning i'm on a dirt runway with a bunch of planes like this was like five years ago all on this dirt runway right and i'm like okay well i'm like where do i check in they're like uh just go to any plane and like just tell them your name and i was like excuse me <laughs> what <laughs> Like, wait a minute so literally i'm in this dirt lot everybody just pulls their cars up and randomly parks and we all get on planes thankfully I saw the guys and I'm like guys I'm coming with you like I don't really know what I'm, ha- what I'm doing we proceed to just get off the plane jump in a van that just happened to be sitting there the pit crew members are driving us you're getting kidnapped. through
0: the track <laughs> what it sounds like you're getting kidnapped
1: <laughs> I literally was like I don't even know what's happening thank god I know you guys like for at least a year now like <laughs> So literally, they're driving like maniacs. They're like, "Well, I'm like, well, okay, talk me through what do you normally do now?" They're like, well, "We might pull, we'll pull into whatever's open because we had flown to Texas, so it's still like six of the like six o'clock in the morning." They're like, "Well, here's the Dunkin', it's open." I'm like, "Nobody plans this for you. You just roll up." They're like, "No, no, no, we just roll up." I'm like, "What?" And then literally, the hardest part of their job is setting up the pit box which is on pit row where they put the car, but it's this giant box, right? That they open up and it has all these tools and it's the crew chief and the coaches sit on top of it with all their equipment. And they're talking to the driver from it. That's the hardest part of their job that like physically, right? Cause if they pit, it's like 10 seconds, but setting up that box is a lot of equipment and it's hot. And so anyways, it was the craziest trip I have ever been on. It gave me a newfound respect whatever plane you get on going back, it's like whoever gets to the plane first. So you've got all these teams like racing. I was like, oh, it blew my mind.
0: <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah. I feel like now everyone <laughs> is definitely educated on NASCAR nutrition. I mean, what a, that's just really cool. What about um, your new role on the Gatorade women's advisory board? Can you talk about that? Because that just seems incredible. Can you just tell us about the role of the board or just what, what you're
1: role is sure besides the fact that I have chills with you just saying it because I we had talked about this I have other than getting inducted into the South Carolina Hall of Fame have literally never been so honored and beside myself on the phone call my first thought was how do I have any business on this right like um and I think that is part of those lessons as an athlete from very early on of putting your head down, do the work, what comes will come and you don't know what's gonna happen and what's gonna come up. And I, you know, it's, it's the craziest honor to be around the kind of women that are on this board Um, And I think we're gonna talk about another question a little later that will tie into this, but I did, that was my first thought, like what what business do I have? And as I kind of came down and, you know, like called some friends and my mom and said, do you like, I don't even know what to do with this. Um, The gist of it is bringing these women together that have hugely different, a vast number of experiences to support young girls in playing longer. I had no idea about this, Um, but apparently that age has really started to creep backwards that young women are stopping playing sports, which blew my mind and immediately brought me to my seven-year-old daughter, (laughs) where I sat down at the dinner table with her that night and said, what do you think about this? What do your friends like to do? Why do you want to play this? Why wouldn't you want to do this? And we started having these conversations, Um, and I'll share a little bit more about that later, but It's this group of women that I am going to get the insane honor starting on Monday to have regular communications with via Zoom. And hopefully the further we get out of this in person about how to really impact women in sports and young women in particular in starting and playing longer um, I told you my first story, the only reason I'm sitting here having this conversation with you is because of my athletic experience I would not have found my passion and my sport and I, or and my field and my life, <laughs> if it wasn't for the fact that, yeah, there were multiple times that I was bawling my eyes out saying to mom and dad, like I'm over this. I want to go play with my friends. Like this takes over my whole life. Like, if I wouldn't have been pushed to continue and I would have been given the choice, sure. I would have stopped earlier, but I had amazing parents and coaches that, and just people around me that said, no, 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 focus on this a different way than right now, put your, you know what I mean? Like put that to the side and just bring yourself to another area of where you can get benefit out of this as a person, as a woman, eventually as, a career person like so it's just um it's just crazy girl like I can't I'm still wrapping my head around it and I am so excited it's just
0: for those that don't don't know who else is on the board with with Jen it's Abby Wambach Candace Parker who else is on the Mm -hmm. who else is on the board
1: oh I mean I'd have to pull up the name I mean there's a bunch of WNBA women like it's just there's a ESPN reporters. It's a pretty, it's a pretty crazy group. Um, Yeah. And we'll get, we'll get, we can get more into that. And I'd be happy to share more with it as we get into it, but it is just these active athletes, um, career professionals within sports um, on both sides of the ball, if you will. Um, And just some are moms, some are not. And that's kind of what I alluded to was, I finished, I coached soccer season for my seven-year-old and my five-year-old this year. And I remember thinking, I might be crazy. I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I'm going to do it, right? I'm going to fit it in. It's going to happen. (laughs) So as a single working mom who just like, was like, yeah, sure. Let's take on one more thing. Why not? So... (laughs) I started doing it. I remember getting there saying, wow, sitting on a chair and answering emails on my phone would be really nice. Like I could really be effective. Right. But every time I finished practice, I thought, goodness gracious, what a great hour. And I felt more ready to spend time with my kids in the evening, get them down and then get back to work. (laughs) So that's kind of like what I noticed out of it. But at the end of the season, what resonated with me so, so much was my daughter kind of pulled me aside with one of our friends and said, mom, it's so cool. Look around while all the teams are there. She was like, there's only one other mommy out here. And I realized, hmm. what are we doing? Like, is that a huge factor? I had a mom who was super involved. She coached a lot. And as we, as women, do more and more and more, that doesn't mean our responsibilities at home go away. So cooking, taking care of our house, like, and not that, not that dads and men don't help with that. Of course they do, right? Um, but if we're real about it, a lot of our expectations as women just do this. They don't get shifted. They don't get prioritized. They really, like, I'm just being real. They do this in my experience. Um, And I looked around and realized maybe that's a part of this conversation with this Gatorade board. Here I was, this woman who has experienced a ton as an athlete and on the other side of athletics now, And here I was willing to sit in a chair and watch my kids play when I, my second sport was soccer. Why did I not automatically just step up to the plate? So here comes my mom guilt and woman guilt. (laughs) And I was like, okay, so now I'm coaching travel again next year at a higher level with her. But, you know, I think that's something on that board that I never said that to any of my other friends, like, hey girl, why aren't you like, get up? Like, are you coaching? Like, come on. Like, you don't have to be at five and seven. You know, it doesn't have to be your sport. Like Google search some videos on coaching soccer and you you can handle your five-year-old. Like you can, I promise you. Um. So I just, uh, it never brought that up with even my friends who all were like a lot of word D1 athletes. And it's like, oh, we need, like we have to act, not just speak.
0: Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like putting women in roles where like kids can see like moms are doing that, versus you know, it's always the dad who's coaching the travel softball team. And yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, that's so true. Well, I think a lot of people probably follow you on Instagram and they admire your confidence. Like, what do you? What advice do you have for anyone that just wants to be like a badass female, especially in a male dominant environment in athletics? What are like yeah. three tips, or just something that you think can help women, um, kind of own it?
1: Sure. Um, I don't we, we talked about this. So I do want to say this out loud. I don't think of myself as you're a confident woman. I don't, I don't, I think we have to figure out where our confidence comes from. Right. Like I don't think about that. So I do like, I can own that. Like when somebody says that, like, or some, or I've been told like, yeah, you're kind of scary. I'm like, why? <laughs> I don't understand. Um, I think we have to figure out where your, like I said, where does your confidence stem from? Mine, if I, after thinking about it and being around like these crazy, amazing psychologists and confidence coaches and these women that are really amazingly well thought out about this topic, that's the only thing that brought light to me. I can think back and I can own and give a shout to my dad who passed away this year, like literally I can say, I think mine comes from him. He literally like my entire life was like, just go do it. Oh, you don't know this? Well, let's learn about it and then just go do it. Like you're completely capable of whatever you put your mind to. Um, So that was just the way that I was raised. Um, And in tying in this conversation with the Gatorade board, I think learning how to fail was a huge piece for me. When I give motivational talks, I talk a lot about being the happiest second place person that ever existed. When I got inducted into the hall of fame, I was like, are you serious? I never won anything. Like I literally never won anything. I was second over and over and over and over again. So, but that was good enough for me. I invested everything I had through those times So I think confidence for not just women, but just in general can come from a lot of different places. Um, If it comes earlier, I think you don't think about it quite as much. You live it, right? So if it doesn't come until later, which is very, very possible and totally okay, I think you have to be more purposeful of acting out that confidence, right? Um, So you asked me what maybe three things are that can potentially, and I wrote them down when you sent me that question. Cause I was like, wanted to be purposeful about my answer. Um, so I think number one is what we were just saying and it's making meaning from your past. Um, mm-hmm. Learning how to fail and how to grow from that. If I succeeded, why did I succeed? What did I do that helped me to get there? And can I re- recreate that somewhere else? Um, I talk a ton with my own kids um, about learning how to fail. Um, you're going to fail. It's going to happen. It's the best opportunity to learn. Um, and instead of feeling like failing as a negative, I tend to be like, what do you mean? If I win all the time, I didn't learn anything. I I didn't learn anything from that. So like when I work with athletes, they come in and they're, and I'm like telling them, wow, we have a lot to do. They're like, Oh man, I'm a mess. And I'm like, no, you're my favorite. Like you're the one that's going to go from here, way over here quickly because you have a lot to do. And if you own those changes, you get to be the one that people notice the growth because it's not small growth. It's going to be significant growth. Um, So I think finding purpose from your experiences is really a big one, um, and translating that from different areas of your life. Um, I think my second one would be being assertive. Um, There were so many times early on that I wanted to speak up, in football in particular is coming to my mind, right? And I have never in my life, because I wasn't raised that way, (laughs) struggled with speaking up. But in a business environment, which a pro team is, yeah, it's sports, but it's a business environment as well, um, I needed to find my footing and probably needed to speak up a little bit sooner. But being assertive doesn't mean being loud. Being assertive to me means finding a way not only to show your value, but to prove it Um, And to prove it in a way that is going to be advantageous in that environment. Mm -hmm. Um, And my example of that is, you know, I um, am thinking of 8,000 stories in my mind where I was basically told my job role didn't matter. Um, But once I started to figure out, and I think initially, like, right, like I I'm about to say something that in my mind, I'm thinking could sound almost manipulative and it's not, it's good business. I had to find the right person to go to in my organization, depending on what I was trying to get done. That is not manipulative. That is, I know what needs to get done. And I know who I'm going to get a no from, and I know who I might get a yes from. Um, That is assertive in my mind. It's not loud. It's being strategic about how you're going to communicate and get something done rather than saying this person might say no they might feel a certain way about this I don't care how you feel about it this is my job you hired me to do it so whether you like it or not doesn't really matter to me (laughs) so that's kind of my description if you will of assertive um so you asked me for three but I'm gonna. I have four. <laughs> you go. Um, the, th- the third one is to take care of yourself, right? That old adage of you can't pour from an empty cup. Um, I got to the end of my time with the Panthers and I remember feeling like, holy cow, I was barely sleeping. I was sleeping like five hours a night, which I, we all know this as dietitians, right? When we work with these sleep doctors, I function very, very well on like that six to seven. I don't need eight. If I sleep for eight, I'm going to be a zombie the next day, but four or five was not enough. Right. But I was so loving everything that I was doing as I was loving going to work and loving coming home, um, to my children. So it was like, I never wanted to stop. I just loved everything. Um, but at some point I was empty, right? Like, and not empty, not happy, just, I was was just exhausted. Um, I remember like getting crazy migraines. Like I'll share my own personal stuff. Like I was getting crazy migraines thinking there's something wrong. Like, going to doctors and I'm like no no no, I'm just (laughs) exhausted but from everything I love and I say that because like right we talk about it like I'm exhausted I don't love it but like you can be exhausted I'm overexerting myself in everything that I love and it's time to be more strategic about what I'm picking and choosing Um, and learning to say no to certain things even if you love them and everything will work out just fine. Um, So I think taking care of yourself is a big one in our field of sports, because it is all encompassing emotionally, mentally, physically, um, and we're very passionate about living it. Um, And it's easy to overcommit and give yourself to the people that you're trying to support and not even forget yourself. Like I was still exercising. I was still loving my time with my kids, but I was drained, girl. (laughs) I was just done. Um, So my three B is bring others with you. Um, I m- My relationships have been the most important thing through these years. Like I alluded to Michelle Rockwell and Kristen Gravani who has been my roommate um, every year at CPSDA and when you meet people right like we did and you just maintain these relationships and you just don't know where they're going to take you and somebody starts a podcast and if you can give back or if somebody else is an expert in a certain sport or a certain area and you just have these great relationships where we can be sounding boards for each other Um, so I think it's important to really be purposeful about taking people with you And, you know, Dr. Desiree Festa, who is now with the Bills, and it's like, I get to go to lunch with her next week when she comes back into town. It's just, I think there's like those people, right? And they're not just in our own field. It's looking at other fields that were like our strength conditioning was, was it first, right? Where it wasn't full-time, like how can strength conditioning not be (laughs) full-time? Like um, it's the same thing with our field. And it's going to be the same thing with our mental health practitioners that are growing and um, so I think that's that's kind of my three B. If I sneak an extra, it's amazing.
0: <laughs> we could end this right here, and I'm just. It's oh, amazing. Okay. No, it's just so good. I love that. Like bring people with you, and I think the taking action, like some of that does come early on, and like you're saying, you you've just always kind of been confident, but you're not like I am a confident person. But the yeah. sooner you take action, not it doesn't it doesn't become scarier, it becomes like you're normal, you know. Yeah. Um, but it's just kind of interesting that like. To just take action and not worrying about perfection. Yeah. Um, and like coming in second place is winning. You know, it's winning. It,
1: it's winning. It was for me. Like, it was for me. Like, I look back here and I'm like, it was for me. Like, it was winning I love for me. It. I was like, and one of them was losing to Carolyn Joyce over and over and over again, the girl who I'm doing this lead business with that she owns it. And it's like, you just don't know where these things are going to take you. And if you laid yourself out and you put all of it, you, what you could offer and you brought it all to the table, it's like, what's the problem? Like there is none. You gave everything you had and something's coming from that. So it's just kind of having faith in that. And it's funny, I just wanted to tell you a story because I feel like this is a message I so desperately want to communicate. And this more has to do not with women, but, but for men with daughters. Um, some of this messaging I've been more purposeful about seeking out as far as the skater board is concerned, and especially as us as dietitians who deal with the mental and the physical. Um, kind of components that tie together around disordered eating and eating disorder and body image and things like that. Um, I was reading a number of articles about, and this ties into confidence too, about why don't we say out loud, I like my body, right? Like whether you're trying to change it or not, you can still like it. And it came to my mind, like I've never said, like I had I hadn't, I do now. I had not said in front of my seven-year-old like my body I'm pretty proud of it I've had multiple kids an athletic career business right like I'm far from perfect I try to t- I do my best to within time to take care of myself um but what's wrong with saying that out loud you're right you're not running down the street saying hey look at me but like in front of young women and and not even young women in front of each other as women like pretty damn proud of my body we go through a lot (laughs) and it's it's not what it was it's maybe it's not what you want it to be but sure does get the job done if you take care of yourself so I think that's like some messaging with this board that we're trying to get across and when we're talking about confidence there's a difference between I want to say I'm proud of myself in front of my seven year old daughter in front of my five-year-old boy Mm -hmm. I want him to hear I am proud of my body, right? There's nothing wrong with that, whether you're working on it or you feel great where you're at. Like what's wrong with vocalizing that? And it's absolutely nothing, right? We get so scared of what somebody else is gonna think about your confidence that you lose it. It's it's kind of backwards. So anyways, it kind of ties in everything a little bit, but.
0: That's a good transition into um, imposter syndrome. <laughs> what, what advice do you have for anyone dealing with imposter syndrome of feeling like you don't belong, but you should.
1: Oh, well embarrassingly, embarrassingly enough. Tell them what I told you you're laughing <laughs> Jenna, 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 she this question over you guys, but I had to Google search it. I had never heard of it. And she was laughing at me. I was like, I'm so embarrassed. Maybe it's a newer term. Um, I don't know. It's what you said. Maybe it's a newer term. I don't know. I don't know. And girl, like I can't keep, we all can't keep up with everything. So thank, thank the Lord for you. So at some point when that comes up, because it will, I will know what is going on. Um, I got to keep up with everything for these children. But so I literally Google search shit and I was like, okay, I, maybe I can think of a couple of stories. Like I had mentioned, because it's an interesting concept. It's basically, it's basically knowing that you have value and knowing that you bring something to the table and correct me if I'm wrong, um, but but doubting yourself um, yeah. and wondering if you're an imposter, are you, you know, do you think more of yourself and what you can do than you sh- should be? Um, and right, that's personal assessment. That's, and I bring everything back to early sports and I'm like, oh my gosh, every kid, please play sports until you're at least 18. <laughs> because I think back on that and I did a whole lot of personal assessment with my head underwater where I couldn't talk to anybody, you know, for 25 years of my life. Um, but if I think about it, like I had shared a story with you in the sense of, I remember. Um, when I first went into the Panthers, um, I didn't want to go in. This is what I've done. This is what I've accomplished. Cause I felt like maybe that was going to come across poorly to the athletes. But at the same time, I also knew from experience that that would give me some credibility um, in terms of them understanding that I understood to a certain extent. So for two years <laughs> I didn't say anything. And right, like we're not getting Googled as dieticians. Like Cam Newton's not Googling me. <laughs> like, this is not what it, like. So about my in my second season, the media department picked up a little bit about my background. And at, um, in warmups at pregame, they did something on the jumbotron about being a dietitian for the team and like they interviewed me or whatever. And it went up and I'm out there and all of a sudden Greg Olson comes running over. He's like, what on earth? How do we not know this, right? Like, But here I was concerned that my high achieving background would look cocky if I brought it up to them as opposed to just giving my role and myself value so I you know I don't I don't I'm just learning about this since last night since you brought it up but I think that's maybe a story that I can bring to the table of like feeling like like am I imposter like am I good enough at my job that I need or don't need to share that like I knew I was I knew what you know what I mean like I knew I could bring something to the table but I was kind of hesitant to share stuff like that um I was laughing and I mean another one pre-COVID. Like I was sitting down to dinner <laughs> with some friends and, and a young dietitian came over and said, You're Jen. I was like, Yeah, I felt embarrassed. And she was like, Well, um, you know, I just want to say, like, you know, I, you know, I just want to meet you. Like, it's so cool what you do. Like, I really want to do what you do. Can I email you? And I was like, Heck yeah, like why wouldn't you just email me to start? She was like, Well, I didn't know if it was okay. And I was like, girl, I just talk about food, just like you all day long. Like I laugh at that when people say that, right? Because it's like, we're all, we all just talk about food. We all just want to help somebody. So, you know, you get so honored by people feeling like that. But at the same time, it's like, oh gosh, I'm like, I feel like an imposter. I'm just talking about food. I'm just doing what we all do. And I'm so grateful that the opportunities and the people that came before us at CPSDA that opened up these doors because they did not exist before. I didn't start anything. I jumped on a train and just started to help be another car on that train, if you will, of those of us that really want to impact athletes and know, holy cow, the injury risk and the immune function and the the ability to play longer. Like there's so much opportunity for us to support the myth busting alone of the Google search. Right. Um, But I, I just, I, I'm like looking at my notes because I just think about things like that. And it's like, it goes, it all ties into that confidence. It ties into knowing your value. Um, if you know your value and you know what you bring to the table and you know who you are, which takes time to learn, let's be real, right? Like I'm gonna be 40 next year. So I'm feeling like, oh gosh, this took some time, but I do think that there is something to be said for owning, um, what you bring to the table and not feeling a lack of confidence in that you don't need like I said in being assertive you don't need to be loud that's it's very different between being loud and then being assertive and showing your confidence in your action um I think the only thing I can say about that is I was never um from the very beginning I was never somebody who felt like I put my head under water and went to work. Like that's kind of how I try. Like the and some people are different in in how they are assertive, right? But I find that if you just get it done, you, that speaks for itself.
0: Yeah. No. And I think like thinking of like early RDS like. You like, know, your worth, know your value, like know why you were hired, like you're saying, and like that experience will come in time, but like you were hired for a reason. And I think just mm-hmm. with imposter syndrome, you sometimes let that noise come in because you've never heard it before. And it, you like want to somewhat believe it, but just being able to like navigate, okay, this is what's being said. Here's the truth first. Like, here's the reality of, of the comment and kind of going through that. But um, like, I know there's times when I was an early RD, like kind of thinking through, you know, you go back and forth in your head and you can drive yourself crazy. And so just like being able to navigate those thoughts, I think is, is huge. And like, you're saying, know your worth, know your value and, and you're supposed to be there for sure.
1: Or they wouldn't have hired you. Yeah. Well, and like, like you just said, like, it's like, you might not know and that's okay. Like I, you just reminded me of a time, like ask for help, reach out to people, right? Because, um, I remember being on a dairy council trip. Dairy Lines trip with um, Jen Ketterly and I was bawling my eyes out after a phone call in the middle of the hallway. <laughs> and I was like, Jen, I don't know what to do about this. I have this idea and they're just putting it, pushing it down. And like her perspective uh, as an experienced RD gave me such a different outlook outlook on that situation I was going through. And it ended up changing a lot for me, um, in what I would, what I did next in that situation with that team. Um, and it was something that I've carried over for a while. So it's like, to your point and what we've been talking about, like, yeah, know your value, but it's okay to say, I don't know. Right. Like, I like, okay, maybe I should know imposter syndrome, but I didn't like, I might, I'd rather be embarrassed than not in the know (laughs) and make the same mistakes that somebody else has made when I don't have to um so yeah I think to your point like know what you know but know what you don't know and it's okay to not know everything we can't know everything and that's okay I love it
0: any advice for anyone that wants to take on multiple job opportunities um or anything you would have done differently I know you you do a lot super cool but just any advice there
1: Yeah. I think organization is huge. Like I thank my lucky stars that my first undergrad was business because the juggling act is real. If you're going to take on different contracts or you're going to be more the entrepreneurial side of a dietitian, um, the being clear with your expectations and what you're going to do is important because I can't tell you how many times I initially have gone in and said, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. And I was not crystal clear enough because meanwhile, in the back end, they're asking me for all these other things. And I'm like, well, you're going to pay for that because that's going to take me this much time and this much time. I'm like, we didn't talk about that. But then here you are running this contract and they're feeling like they didn't get the value that they were expecting. So being very, very clear and detailed and writing it down and repeatedly talking about it is very important if you're, gonna, if you're gonna split your and divide your time, because you need to know that you can get something done if you're gonna commit to it. Um, and I have been absolutely um, guilty of overcommitting and realizing, holy cow, I'd be late on this. <laughs> um, so I think that it is really important to be clear You know, especially when you and I know, we bring a lot to the table. Um, It's it's been a learning curve over the years on how to pitch to different markets, if you will, whether it's a sports team, whether it's a media outlet, whether it's a food board, whether it's an individual, um, whether it's a pro team where there's a budget concern versus a high school team where it's much more education and touching the parents. Um, There's different ways to come to the table. And most people, even now, most um, don't know all of what we can bring to the table. So it's kind of feeling out, presenting them with something that you really do believe is reasonable within what they can financially and time, and you know what I mean, commit to but also taking that opportunity to make them aware of what they're missing out on. Um, And I think I've had a couple of opportunities where they ask me for a certain proposal and I give them that proposal, but I give them two or three others (laughs) um, tied to it, right? Because you just don't know what else is out there that they might know they need but don't know it exists or don't know they need but something happened and it will spark something of "oh wow we should be doing this you know what I mean
0: yeah like showing the differences in packages to see what they'd be missing Mm -hmm. out on if they didn't choose package two or three um I love how you've said throughout this whole thing assertive doesn't mean bossy because I think that's like the one takeaway because I think that's where a lot of people are you know, as females in a male dominant, I don't even think it's male dominant. You know what I mean? I feel like females are taking up more of the sports industry, but I think a lot of people think, you know, I don't want to be this way. Cause I don't want to be perceived as bossy, but like, if you're assertive, like you don't have to be loud, like you're not loud. You're just direct yeah. and you're getting shit done. So
1: yeah, a hundred percent. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I can't tell you how much being assertive in that kind of quiet yet confident, if you will, way has helped me. I mean, uh, I don't hesitate on telling stories because I, don't, I think that if you don't tell stories out loud, they, then people think that they're on this island when they go through things and potentially things that should not be going on. Um, I can't tell you how many times I got screamed at, top of the lungs in a work environment, and it is not okay. It is not professional. It is not okay. Um, I'll tell you what though, it halts real fast when you keep your cool and you say, okay, I just thought that was going to be helpful. What else can I do? (laughs) It's pretty incredible how it shuts people down when you stay professional, um, and you acknowledge that it's not okay without acknowledging it. Um, that's definitely all like as sudden, you
0: get older like because when you're younger you're going to react really quickly but like that sounds like year yeah. four or five you start realizing like you know play yeah. it cool and you'll get what you actually want first the reaction yeah
1: yeah all of a sudden it opens up that conversation of like wow like why did I like on the other side right or at least the thought process of like why did I think that was okay Um, I mean, similar conversations getting told. And then this was a couple of years ago but being told, like, you must not care. You didn't even cry. I was like, is this 2015 or is this 1915? Like, what is happening right now? Um, And I remember responding that to say, say, have you ever had anybody else cry when you do this to them? I said, I'm not going to cry over this. I cry over my family. That's it. That's all. That's the only time that you guys. So literally, I say those things because I do think it's important to acknowledge that there is a lot um, of growth still to come, not just as women, not just in sports, just in general communications. Right. We see so much of this cultural shift in our world going on right now. Um, some of that stuff definitely still goes on. It is not okay. People are still afraid to say that it's happening and I can't stand like, what are we waiting for? Like when things go on, you're like, how did this go on? Like, I don't know how it went on. The only way it goes on is because nobody spoke up and that's just silly. And yeah, it doesn't need to be like, again, it doesn't need to be the loud shouting. I'm not putting it on my IG, like, (laughs) But between you, me, and everybody listening, like that shit is not okay. And I never thought it was okay. There are plenty of dietitians out there that I use as my sounding boards who knew it was going, what we, you know, what things that I've gone through and that were mentors to me through things. And it is not okay. And people need to speak up. Um, There are high expectations and emotions in sports so yes some of these things are going to be different potentially than a office environment right like because we care and that part is okay um but the way that that message is delivered is not necessarily okay. Right. So I think that there needs to still be speaking up about that in order for progress to still go on within sports, with women in sports, with new roles coming into sports the teams growing different voices coming in that bring different perspectives. Um, so anyways, that's my, that's my sidebar. (laughs) Amazing. Hardest lessons
0: learned early on in your career.
1: Um, I think, um, I think saying, saying no, I think saying learning to say no, um, is really, really hard. There have been some opportunities. um, I'll share the one that stands out the most to me that was the hardest and it took me so long. Um, I went into this field saying my dream job, right? Like we um, a lot of us have that, right? Like my dream job after I get my RD was to go back to South Carolina and be the sports mm-hmm. dietitian there. Um and I got that job opportunity the year before um I took the Panthers job and I went in and it was not I wasn't being given the resources that I thought that I needed and should be getting. And it was the hardest thing I ever did to tell my alma mater, you know, thank you, but no, thank you. Um, And they're such a wonderful, it's such a wonderful department. They have one, they've had so many insanely wonderful dietitians coming through and still in, um, in Columbia, but it just, it wasn't the right fit for me at the moment. And I could feel it. Um, for a number of reasons. And it wasn't three months later that the Panthers job came up. (laughs) So I think it is the hardest lesson, but the most important thing, especially if you're going to spread yourself out in different opportunities, to know when to say no, to know when to listen to your gut, to know when you are being put in a situation to be successful, um, to know when you're going to be given the resources um, to be successful and um, to know what you're going to really enjoy as well, because we all know, I mean, this is not a nine to five. I mean, there's sometimes I work 20 hours a week and there's most of the time I'm working 60 hours a week. Right. Um, and then there's, you know, so, you know, even last week I had a bunch of people reach out cause I was at the beach because I was listening to CPSCA. I had a bunch of virtual education and virtual sessions with teams. I was like, I, I was like, oh my gosh, I can take the kids to the beach. I was like, mom, let's go to the beach. Like, you can watch the kids while I have to work, and then we can be at the beach the rest of the time. And it was like, I got a couple of people that out, like, what are you doing? Like, how are you doing this on a Wednesday? I'm like, you build what you want to build, right? And you say yes to what you want to say yes to, um, but you also have to say no to what you need to say no to, and that's that's a hard thing.
0: That's a good one. Know how to say no and, and put the time in where you're going to enjoy it the most because that's what you're going to remember or have the most value yeah all right ready for the rapid fire round
1: oh gosh I'm scared
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, be go to gas station snack
1: go to gas station snack um trail mix yes
0: you know what's so funny I feel like I would choose Chex Mix but like on a regular day I wouldn't but like why would that be like on a road trip <laughs> like
1: yeah because it so I can so get sorry. a little bit of like,
0: everything like the trail mix like you get a variety and don't feel like
1: you're stuck somewhere <laughs> We do snack bags for NASCAR so that when they get on the plane now, they have their, their kind of like, while they're hanging around for the track for a couple hours. And that is absolutely Chex Mix is the go-to so NASCAR amazing. snack at the track before the race. It's amazing. <laughs> what is the most game changer
0: ingredient in a smoothie?
1: I mean, I feel like I need to say the protein powder because that's all I have to get athletes to do. I'm like, I get that you love it with the fruit, but like, you know you, i don't know i think that's what i have to say the protein powder i think i have to say well and again you gotta think about my mindset you're also dealing you're also talking to somebody who's works with mostly 180 to 250 pound plus men so like I and a so, lot of lactose intolerance yeah and, cherry so.
0: juice cherry juice in a smoothie is like a
1: game changer
0: mm, and pineapple yes
1: apple. Oh my gosh. I love it when dietitians share new smoothie recipes because it is nice really? to like, that's oh funny. Cause I feel
0: like everyone listening, we all have like the same tips.
1: <laughs> yeah. But I get so bored. Like okay. I get so bored. No, here's
0: a good one. And I don't know if a lot of people know about this green apple, pineapple, vanilla, Greek yogurt. You can do water for the base or a little bit of OJ and spinach. Amazing. It's like you're on an Island. Oh, so it's the pineapple green apple which is like the game changer situation
1: that does i've definitely not done that one that sounds like a beach one too
0: that could be from team usa nutrition i'm not sure where i got that from. shout out to them if that's where it's from um okay if you had a cupcake do you prefer chocolate frosting vanilla cake or vanilla
1: frosting chocolate cake Mm, red velvet vanilla frosting i'm cheating You are cheating. Can you, can you <laughs> answer the question? If I had to answer the question, <laughs> chocolate cake, vanilla ice, vanilla icing. Oh, really? I yep. think I'm the other way. Are I you?
0: I mean, I like ice cream cake. I'm not a huge cupcaker. Like the ratios yeah. off. So it's just unfortunate. All right. Last question. Are you ready? I have if, to be. You have to be. <laughs> <laughs> if you could tell your younger Artie self one thing, what would you say?
1: Hmm. Patience and persistence. Um, I want it. I, I like all of our athletes and all, all of us probably, I want it all and I want it now. And can't lose that because that's what keeps you going. And that's what keeps you current and edgy and still looking for more. But you have to live in the excitement with the patience and the persistence because it doesn't come at once.
0: Wow. That's Maybe insane. that's my answer. Say that again. Say that again. <laughs> I love
1: that. Um, the, the patience and persistence side of it is like, I, you have to have that, but you need to every day live and I want it all and I want it now. But when you're doing, you have to be patient and persistent. So you wake up, I want it and I want it now. Um, but you act all day within that patience, the persistence because you can't have it all now. You have to repeat, you have like right? It's that, that is muscle the, memory.
0: Yes, that is such good advice. I love that. Like have that energy to want it, but but know that it takes time and and when the time comes, it'll be so worth it. And you're gonna yeah. you look back and you'll be so grateful for all those things that you thought were obstacles were just pointing you in the way that we're supposed to be. So
1: thank you so much. Thank you so much. Oh, thanks for having me, Liz. This was so fun and thank you for what you do because being able to communicate with other dietitians and share your experiences and especially after everybody being cooped up for a while now, it's kind of it's just kind of amazing to have these outlets to talk to people and share and then listen and really understand that everybody goes through different things, but also everything you can learn from, but a lot of people are going through the same things. And, and that kind of understanding really can give people comfort through a lot of what's gone on in the last two years.
0: Thank you. No, I appreciate it. And Absolutely. Well, happy Friday. Have a great weekend. And we'll hopefully talk soon and connect.
1: But- Sounds good. Enjoy the weekend, everyone.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode on Sports RD Snippets. I hope you found our conversation helpful today. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Apple or Spotify. Share the podcast or tell another Sports RD to be or sports dietitian about it. If you can rate and review the podcast, it really helps the show and is much appreciated. Remember to follow along on Instagram at Sports RD Snippets to see what Sports RD guest is featured each week. I'm super excited to bring on my upcoming guests, so stay tuned. I'm Liz Waluca and thanks so much for listening.